What was it about the 90s that made movies so much better? How much of an impact did they make during that decade? And while we're at it, can we throw around some 90s slang? Join me, Jason Soto, a lover of all things 90s, as I do a deep dive into cinema from the best era ever. Rabbit Hole Podcast presents That's the Bomb, yo! 90 Hella Rad Movies from the 90s. You can find this show on Anchor, Apple, Google, anywhere you get podcasts from, or its home location at rabbitholepodcasts.com. And who knows, maybe even Alicia Silverstone will finally accept my date. This show features discussion about murder, people going missing, and other weird but triggering things. Listener discretion is advised. There's something strange going on tonight. There's something going on that's not quite right. Michael's nervous and the lights are bright. Hello, weirdos. Welcome to I Have a Weird One, a weird podcast. I am your host, Jason Soto, and welcome to the second rebirthing of this podcast. Um, This podcast in and of itself could be a I Have a Weird One story. Because um, if you've been listening for a very long time, you would have noticed that it has gone through some changes in terms of the hosts. I started the show with uh, Nick and Rob, and then they ended up leaving the show. Then I took a little break, and then I restarted it with my friend Mary, and then she ended up leaving the show. And I was going to cancel the show, just no longer do it, because I feel like it's cursed. Seems like anyone who does this show with me does not seem to last very long. Um, But I have fun with it. I, I like talking about weird stuff. I like talking about true crime and murder mysteries and the like. And I kind of just didn't want this to die. So I'm just going to do it by myself. I have listened to other true crime podcasts, and people do them on their own. So why should I not be any different? And I do a podcast kind of on my own anyway. Uh, I do a show called TV Transmissions, which you can find over at rabbitholepodcast.com. And you can also find a bunch of other different podcasts over there as well. So a lot for you to check out. So I'm going to reboot this one more time. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just going to do this on my own. Um, so you're not going crazy. You're like thinking, what, why, why is this back? What, why is he by himself? That this is the reason why. So, so yeah, let's give this a go on by, by on my own, by myself. And uh, yeah, I got a good one for you today. But before I do that, I should let you know, we here at Rabbit Hole Podcasts, are supported by Patreon. Patreon.com slash rabbitholepods. For as low as $3 a month, you get early access to episodes and you get all kinds of great bonus content for you to check out. Uh, $3, 
uh, each month. That's not a bad deal to listen to every episode that we do on Rabbit Hole Podcast kind of early. Uh, there are other tiers. Um, if you're in the $10 tier, you get to join us for live events. That's always fun. Uh, and then $5 gets you other bonus stuff that's not in the $3 tier. So, um, yeah, there you go. Patreon.com slash rabbit hole pods. Uh, that's probably the best, best way to support us here at the network because I use those funds to keep the website going, to keep the Zoom accounts going. Uh, I sometimes do pay for the graphic design that you see over at rabbitholepodcast.com and other little odds and ends that, you know, I need to kind of maintain the, uh, the website and stuff. So that just kind of helps us out. And then you get bonus content and you get to hear stuff early. So honestly, it's kind of a win-win if you ask me. So there you go. Patreon.com slash rabbitholepods. And I... I don't ever stress this on my other show, but the Patreon ends with the S. So it's rabbit hole pods. And then later when I do the audible one, uh, there's no S and I don't know why that is. Don't ask me that in itself is also a weird one, but when I get to that ad, there's no S. So rabbit hole pods is the Patreon. So there you go. Okay. Today, on the second reboot of I Have a Weird One, I'm going to tell you the story about a man named Jay Given. Jay Given is from my hometown of East Chicago, Indiana. I was born in East Chicago, Indiana uh, in 1980, and the bulk of this story, the, the the weird part of the story, takes place in 1981. So I was I was actually I wasn't quite one years old yet because this happens in May of 1981. Uh, I was born in June of 1980. So, um, yeah, I was still a still a little infant baby child when this happened. Um, but I'll get into how I know about all this uh, in a bit. But yes, we're going to talk about a man named Jay Given. Jay Given, um, he was a master fundraiser and a very clever behind-the-scenes operator um, who would he would cash in on favors to make friends in the political world. Uh, he was a very powerful man. Uh, he was, uh, the city's power broker and, uh, a municipal attorney and he was very respected. He, he, he knew a lot about municipal law. Uh, from 1963 to 1973, he was the city attorney for the city of East Chicago. He was a senior partner at a local law firm. Um, in 1970, uh, Jay Given helped elect a man named Robert Pastrick, who at the time was the city controller. Uh, he helped, uh, Robert Pastrick become the mayor of East Chicago. 
once uh, Patrick became the mayor, uh, Jay Given took on the role of advisor and served as a legal counsel uh, for the city sanitary board. Throughout the 70s, they worked side by side. They were they were inseparable for most of the 70s. Uh, like I said, Jay helped Pastrick get elected. I guess he used his favor. You know, he turned in his favors to get him elected. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were friends. But then uh, 1972 rolls around. And um, Jay and, and Pastrick just started to kind of disagree on a number of issues uh, that mostly included upcoming elections, political alliances, um, and and whatnot. They just kind of started not jibing together anymore. Given who was known to have a temper, he was he was he was a very temperamental man. Uh, he found out that Pastrick was uh secretly uh conspiring with the sanitation board was conspiring with the municipal sanitation board for various corrupt reasons so while this was happening uh given who's starting to sort of sour on Patrick uh decides to throw his uh vote uh, to a candidate who wants to run for mayor, uh, opposing Patrick. Uh, this candidate's name is Addison Spann. They have such a huge following, falling out between Given and Patrick that Given just decides I'm gonna I'm gonna just start supporting the other guy. Uh, during the next mayoral election, this now takes us um to 1981. Uh, May 15th, 1981, to be exact. Um, at the local Elks Club, uh, there was going to be a Las Vegas-style fundraiser for Span. And Jay uh, decided to make an appearance there to just sort of show... He's supporting Span in his election to replace Patrick as mayor. Uh, given who, you know, like I say, he was a very powerful guy, but he also was not a socialite. He didn't really socialize with people. Uh, he kind of didn't want to. He didn't want to go there. But Jay eventually went there alone around nine thirty p.m. Uh, he went to the bar. He got a drink. He started mingling with the crowd. Um. And people were, you know, surprised, um, you know, that he was there. Because, again, he doesn't really go to these things. He doesn't talk to, you know, you know, people. But he had to he had to show that, you know, he did not want Patrick to be a mayor anymore. I'm going to stop this story here to tell you a little bit about the city of East Chicago. Just just a minute, just for a minute. I mean, you see where this is going. Obviously, I'm covering it on a on a true crime podcast. But there, the the interesting weird part is coming up, and I hope you didn't just go and Google this yourself. Uh, allow me to tell the story, but first, I need to tell you about the city of East Chicago. East Chicago, Indiana, is um just uh is about 
15 minutes outside of Chicago, to the east, obviously, hence the name. Not just a clever name. Uh, but it is a industrial blue-collar city. Like I said, I was born there. I, I lived there uh, in my in my early childhood. I didn't move to proper Chicago till later in my life. Um, but... Um, yeah, I grew up in I grew up in East Chicago, and it was it's it was known for. Uh, there was a steel mill uh, at the time in the eighties. It was called Inland Steel. Now it's called hmm, I can't even pronounce it. A tour Adderall Adderall Middle Steel Plant Steelworks. Anyway, the whole reason East Chicago exists is because of this steel mill. My dad worked at that steel mill. For example, that's the only reason why this city kind of even exists is just because of the steel mill. Uh, but also, it's not a very well-known, well-liked city. It, it's known for its kind of grunginess, uh, kind of a high crime rate, especially when I was growing up. Uh, a lot of people that live there, you know, were a little below the poverty line. Um it, it it was nothing to write home about. Like there was really nothing about this place, about this city. It it wasn't very big. Um, you could literally go through it in like maybe seven minutes, from end to end. It's it's not a very huge city. Now the biggest part of the city was known as the harbor, um, because it was uh, adjacent to Lake Michigan, and in the harbor was the steel mill. Uh, but the harbor, oddly enough, was also like the worst crime-ridden part of East Chicago. That is where all the very poor people lived, believe it or not. And it was known all all throughout while I was growing up. And this is just from my personal experience from living there when I was a kid. It was known as you know, where all the crime happened, where all the murders happened, where people shot each other and gangs lived and, and whatnot. Uh, the part that I lived in was a little bit outside of the harbor. Like, it was kind of bordering another city called Hammond. Uh, it's kind of where I lived. And I didn't see as much crime. Not saying that there wasn't, but I didn't see as much. But uh, that is what East Chicago was like. So... The entire time I was growing up, I've heard about Pastrick, and he was a very corrupt mayor. Like, he he bought his elections. He was mayor for most of my life. He didn't, he didn't get voted out until, like, the 2000s, like, literally in the 2000s. And I know I'm spoiling the story here because I said Span was running for mayor, uh, but... I'm just telling you what I've heard. This is what I've known. He was always a corrupt individual. He he always he bought his elections. He never did anything right. I don't even know, you know, how people tolerated this. One guy, the guy that did beat him in the Ameri-elect was was all about, "Oh, I'm tired of corruption and you know, we need to get him out." And he campaigned so hard that he did in fact win. Uh, and then we come find out a year later that that guy ended up being corrupt. So this, this corruption and politics run rampant in the city of East Chicago. So I wanted to just kind of give you a, a taste of what the city of the East Chicago was like. 
before I continue on with the story of uh, Jay Given. So that said, let's go back to that fateful night of May 15th of 1981. Uh, Jay is at the Elks Club. He's, you know, hobnobbing with all the people. He's trying to get this band guy elected to mayor. He's trying to tell Patrick to go fuck himself. And, you know, people, you know, they're like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Given, you know, him and Patrick, they used to be buddies. And now he's he's on the outs. Uh, he's on the outs. And, you know, Patrick made things difficult for Given. He 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 threw him off the board of the sanitation department. Uh, he tried to make things very hard for him because they disagreed so much. But Jay was still pretty powerful. He still had friends in high places. And, you know, he didn't let that bother him. And he was trying to get his power to remove Patrick from office and replace him with Spam. So, um, so Jay arrives at nine thirty. You know, he's talking to people. He's trying to get the minority vote because, uh, given himself, it was a minority. He was uh, he was Hispanic. So after being at this place for two hours, you know, he wins a three hundred dollars at a raffle. Uh, he's doing pretty good. He's he's hobnobbing with all the all the people. Uh, around eleven o'clock, he he says he's gonna leave because uh, he needs to get home and he needs to start packing because him and his wife Phyllis they were gonna fly to Cleveland uh, the next day. Nothing in my notes or anything on the internet says why they were going to Cleveland. Maybe they 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 just wanted to. Go to the banks of Cleveland. I don't know. <laughs> Cleveland is probably a step up for me, Chicago. So sure, we can make that a a, vac- a vacation destination <laughs> from the city of East Chicago. Cleveland looks pretty damn good. So um, Jay, he starts, you know, starts to leave. He he walks down the stairs. Uh, so to describe the Elks Club, there's multiple floors, like three floors, I think. And then there's a stairwell that goes down into like a lobby area. And then the lobby goes out to the door and the door goes out onto the street. So he goes into the lobby. He gets a cigarette. He starts to smoke. Um, but then the, he, he, the, he soon as he approached the door, he gets shot one time in the back of the head at point blank range, killing him instantly. Now, here's where the weird part comes in. There was at least 400 people in and around that building, roaming around in that lobby. Some people were outside. Nobody said they saw anything. Nobody saw this guy get shot. Um... They just saw this man just suddenly fall out of the doorway out onto the street and then somebody noticed him just lying there dead but nobody saw the assailant no one saw the murderer nobody knows who did it um cops get called and the detectives thinking you know oh this is going to be a open and shut case because there's like 400 people in this building somebody surely had to seen something but the problem was people we're still leaving and entering the building through the doorway that he was shot in. They did find a shell casing in the entryway and a spent forty-five caliber bullet in the street. 
and the 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 bullet was apparently still in remarkable condition. Uh, the bullet exited through the front part of Jay's forehead, went through the glass front doors, hit a brick building that was across the street, and then it bounced back into the street. And it was in perfect condition except for the nose of the bullet, which is, you know, shocking, considering all the stuff that <laughs> it went. It was basically that corn video, Freak on a Leash, with the bullet going through everything. It basically just did that. The police inspector at that time, whose name is Paul DiCharia, took the bullet, marked it, marked it as evidence, and uh, for whatever reason, instead of putting it into the evidence vault, which is typically how you would store evidence during a murder scene, uh, he put it into his desk drawer. Now, he says, now, DiCharia says he's done this before. You know, he doesn't think this is weird, just putting evidence in his own desk drawer and locking it. He says he locked it. He double locked it. He triple locked it. He even put a Doberman in front of the desk to make sure nobody was there to touch this bullet. Because <laughs> they needed to examine the bullet and test it for fingerprints and the like. Instead, I just put it in the proper place. I'll put it in my desk. I'll put it next to my staple remover and my whiteout. I don't know if whiteout was invented in 81. Probably. Somebody looked that up. Anyway, but he, but the Dicharia says he did this because he wanted, you know, other investigators to look at it. I don't know, just to say, hey, here's a bullet. I don't know. Anyway, four days later, uh, he goes to grab the bullet and discovers that someone tampered with it. That uh, there was a hole that was punched through the primer of the bullet. And someone has taken a sharp instrument and tried to cut the lines and grooves in a way so that it cannot be compared to any gun. So when they go test the gun, you know, the bullet to the gun, they use the markings to see, oh, it goes to this style of gun or it went to this specific gun. Uh, but somebody took a hack to it and then was like, cannot test it. So the bullet... Just remind you, was in a desk drawer, locked, uh, in the police department. And uh, only people with access, you know, to to the police station and his desk were people at the police department. So there's now signs of an inside job. Dicharia sends the bullet anyway to the FBI they do their best and they've determined that the weapon was a 45 caliber Detonix 911 uh style combat master handgun which is apparently a very rare gun the casing of the bullet was linked to one of only 58 Detonix with a specially modified ejecting mechanism uh now here's another funny funny kind of funny thing one of those guns can be traced back to the East Chicago Police Department. And the owner of said gun was the Deputy Chief John Cardona, who immediately became a prime suspect in the case. Uh, Cardona, who was a member of the Latino political club, uh, did not like Jay Givens at all. Not, not at all. And uh, people, you know, at the Elks Club that night 
did say that Cardona was there uh, when Jay was shot. And uh, Cardona was, uh, you know, very active, you know, with the political scene. But he did not like Givens. A witness would then later say that they did see Cardona following Jay at the event. And uh, one of the things that Cardona said he heard Jay say was that uh, if Span ever gets elected, uh, there's going to be some changes in the city. And Cardona was going to be one of those changes, meaning he was going to get removed from the police force. So, uh, But, however, none of the witnesses saw Cardona when uh, Jay was leaving the place. So nobody knows where he was when Jay got murdered. Uh, another witness uh, named Mark Waholik, uh did say that right before the shooting, he did see Jay talk to a man in the lobby. Uh, but nobody really knows who this was. Um, he described the man as six foot one, with black wavy hair and a bluish gray suit. And that does fit the description of Cardona. Raholic, you know, after witnessing this, went to the bathroom. There he heard the gunshot, and that's when he came out and he saw that Given was lying dead on the floor. And the other person that he was talking to was gone. Cardona's explanation of all this was that he'd gone to the fundraiser to talk to an officer after seeing the officer's car parked near the building. He saw Jay gambling that night, and he claimed that he was in the bar when Jay was shot. And then after the shooting, he went down to the lobby and saw Jay's body. Now, other officers who arrived at the scene confirmed that Cardona was there. However, uh, several people said they did not remember seeing Cardona at the bar at the shooting. And these witnesses were seated at the bar and knew who Cardona was. So they couldn't be like, you know, hey, a stranger, you know, that wasn't Cardona. Or I don't know what he looks like or, or whatever. So over the next few weeks, everyone at the police department is taking a polygraph test, which remember this is 1981. They're taking that as gospel. Uh, Cardona takes the test. He fails. And then he refuses to take the second exam. Uh, because he swears up and down he's innocent. So another reason Cardona is you know, a uh, prime suspect in this. Not only did he, was he seen talking to Given that night. Um, he had access to the desk drawer that the bullet was in. And... He owned the gun. A few days prior to the murder, Cardona asked another officer how a bullet or casing is is traced back to a specific gun. And this officer told him that if you shave off the bullet, it's hard to trace the, the gun exactly. Which, if you recall, the bullet was found you know, taken out of the desk, tampered with. So I've mentioned that the city of East Chicago is very corrupt. There's a lot of corrupt people in it. The mayor's corrupt. A lot of other people. It wasn't just Patrick that was corrupt. There was a lot of other people in inside was corrupt. Um, the main suspect in this was Cardona. But the the he was never charged um, because they felt that all they felt that the evidence was shaky at best, which I think that's bullshit. I 
if I, as a normal human being, had all of these things, and then somebody who was like my political rival <laughs> was murdered, I would be instantly arrested. But obviously, because this guy's a deputy chief police, chief of police, sorry, he's not gonna, yeah, nothing's gonna happen to him. So it's it's clearly him. Now here's the other end of this: is that um, Cardona swears he's innocent. He swears up and down he had nothing to do with the murder. He didn't like him, but he's not gonna go murder someone. But I mentioned that there were 400 people that were in this building in and around the building at the time of the murder. Nobody, not a single person, has come forward with any kind of statement or evidence saying that they saw something. 400 people. And this is an approximation. Maybe a slight exaggeration, but this is a lot of people. A lot of people. He was killed in a very crowded building in front of people. And people are saying they did not see anything. Uh, the investigators investigating the murder would go talk to certain people and they would either say, oh, I didn't see nothing, or they appeared to be too scared to say something as if somebody had threatened their lives. So, to kind of fast forward this here, I mean, it's all, it's it's kind of obvious this Cardona guy did it, but he's kind of... Uh, Getting away, he he got away with it because you know he's in this corrupt town and uh he he works for the mayor and I I think and this is a theory this is just my theory I think Patrick had Cardona murder Jay even though you know Cardona and Jay had history they had beef they didn't like each other but I think Patrick ultimately was the one who said hey let's get rid of him. Because if you recall, Given was supporting the the uh, the opponent candidate that was running for mayor, and Given was a very powerful guy, and he very well could have gotten this other guy elected as mayor if he continued. Um, you know, I I looked up how close it was prior to the murder in terms of the polls, and I don't see anything. I, I'm I'm assuming he was getting there. I'm assuming Span was was almost uh was almost gonna be the next mayor of East Chicago, but then this happened. Uh and then Pastrick, obviously he won the uh uh the next mayor uh, elec- elec- uh election. So so nobody is stepping forward and saying they sell anything. They're all too scared to talk. Now uh, so this, the case is un, is unsolved. It's, 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 it's a cold case at this point, especially, um, in 1993. And I want you to remember, I lived in East Chicago and I actually lived, my mom worked and I lived across the street from this Elks club where this happened. Now I never heard about this story until 1993 when I walked out of my apartment building that me and my mom were living in, and we saw a big, giant truck that says Unsolved Mysteries parked there. And, of course, I knew what Unsolved Mysteries was. I loved that show. I watched it a lot. I probably shouldn't be watching it at the age of 13, 12, 13, you know. But it's going to ruin my, ruin my precious little brain. But, no, there it was. Unsolved Mysteries. I was like, 
Holy shit, why is Unsolved Mysteries here? Is Robert Stack here? Like, holy crap, this is amazing. So my mom, who worked at the, at, at, at you know, in a bar that was across the street from the, um, the Elf's Club where Given was murdered, she said that, yeah, they're filming an episode about the Jay Given thing that happened in the 80s, and she tells me the story. So she kind of remembers hearing about it, kind of remembers when it happened, when, you know, when it did. Um, and they're filming it here. And I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. And they actually, and they spent like a week filming in the Elks Club. And I remember just there, there was this big old truck, uh, right outside the Elks Club. There were these like lights. There was a bunch of people milling around. They had the street blocked off. It was insane. It was like, like that was my first exposure to like seeing like a Hollywood, something Hollywood filmed. And it was amazing to see. Um, so if anyone wants to check out the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, it was aired on January 5th, 1994. It is episode 6 of season 6. Um, and I think the episode, it, it, it has like three other things attached to it. Uh, but it's it's it says Jay Given and then there's like two other case stories. I don't remember the exact story. But uh, yeah, it's uh, on... Amazon, I believe you can get it on Amazon Prime, and uh, as of now, the um, case is still unsolved, and I think it's just gonna stay that way, um, unless Cardona, you know, steps forward and says he did it. But Cardona has since retired from the police force. And now he he lives in Florida and still says he's innocent to this day. Um, Jay's wife Phyllis, by the way, I should mention, um, she passed away in two thousand nine. Who is you know mum that her husband got murdered. Uh, his son Jeffrey is now a lawyer, and I think he's trying to get this solved. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's my story about Jay Given. A uh. Very angry. <laughs> I won't say angry. Very temperamental lawyer from my hometown of East Chicago, Indiana, who got murdered um, because he uh, pissed off the most powerful person in a corrupt town, which was the mayor, who then passed off to another corrupt individual the deputy chief police and that is how you get a crime to be unsolved is by being a cop and erasing the evidence so there you go all right that's it uh hey you know what um if you like this podcast you must like other unsolved stories so you know what you should do you should go to audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepod and look up the audiobook called Unsolved Murders by Amber Hunt and Emily G. Thompson. Uh, it is narrated by Avina Wallace. And it is a uh, it is a audio story book thing <laughs> about a bunch of different unsolved cases. 
Um, you know, and this includes JonBenet Ramsey, Zodiac Killer, The Black Dahlia, uh, and a bunch of other ones maybe that you've never heard of. Um, you can get this absolutely free of charge by going to audibletrial.com slash rabbitholepod, and you get to try Audible for free for 30 days. You can download this audiobook. There's also original shows and podcasts you can try out. And then after the 30 days, you just pay $14.99 a month, and then you get access to more audiobooks, original shows, or podcasts. Now, if at any point during this, you decide to cancel, you don't want Audible anymore, you just want to do the trial, or you pay the four, I recommend paying the $14.99 a month, because obviously, that's the better deal. Because you get unlimited audiobooks and shows and podcasts, so that's that's your best deal right there. But if at some point in the future, you're like, I don't want to pay for this anymore, you can cancel. And anything that you've downloaded, even during the trial, you get to keep for the rest of your life, really. <laughs> uh, it never goes away. Uh, I've done this myself. I, I Prior to hosting podcasts and getting the sponsorship with Audible, I would sign up for a trial version, and then I would download the book, and then the trial version would expire, and I still had the books. I still have a book that I downloaded from 2014 in my Audible. So there you go. You never lose it. AudibleTrial.com slash RabbitHolePod. You, using that link, helps us out and shows that you support independent podcasts. So thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of I Have a Weird One. Uh, Let's see if this format stays or if I'm rebooting it a third time. Uh, I may have guests on, obviously. I'm open to having guests. It's not just going to be me the entire time. But I am open to having guests on the show. Uh, but I also am open to people writing in with their own weird stories, either what happens to them or if they heard about something uh, and they want to share it. You can email me at I have a weird one at gmail.com and tell me all about it because I'm I am very open and curious about that. Um, yeah. So with that said, you should also go to rabbitholepodcast.com and check out every other podcast that is there. We have movies, TV shows, we have a book club, there's music podcasts, there's everything you can think of, any any genre, any style, any category of pop culture. Um, we will have a show there for you. So uh, there you go. Check that out. I uh, want to thank you all very much for listening. And I will see you in a couple of weeks. So until then, stay weird. There's something strange going on tonight. There's something going on that's not quite right. Michael's nervous and the lights are bright. Copyright 2023 Rabbit Hole Podcasts, rabbitholepodcasts.com.